Well, good morning, church. How are you doing this Sunday morning? I hope you're doing well. I hope you have found a comfy spot in your living room or at your table or wherever you found yourself this morning. Uh, Go ahead and grab yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or juice, whatever you prefer, and let's settle in to listen from the Lord, hoping to hear a good word from him today. This morning, I'd like to lead you on a journey, if you will allow me to do so. I want to visit a time in your life where you felt uh, the most weakest. Uh, It probably won't take you long to recall that time in your life, um, but we've all been there, right? Uh, We all have struggles that we face. We all have uh, problems that we have to solve on a daily basis uh, where you have felt defeated or knocked down or even on the verge of an epic failure. So I want you to recall that moment, but don't worry, we're not going to stay there long. But I want you to remember the emotions that you felt. I want you to recall those feelings. I want you to remember what you experienced. For me, I'll share with you, it was a time when I was in college. I was in the, in the middle of my junior year of college. And typically, at least for me, uh, my junior year was my toughest year. I was in some pretty deep theology classes, uh, studying for the ministry, and uh, some, some pretty crazy classes. I was in an exegetical Hebrew class. Um, I was in a history missions and polity class for the church. Uh, that one wasn't so tough. It was just really, really boring, and it was at 7.30 in the morning. So it just, it just really drained me. Uh, But the one class that gave me the worst trouble was my upper division New Testament theology class. It really just, it really was kicking my butt. It was so rough that I actually wanted to drop the class. I wanted to change my major. It just, it was really, really bad. And I just wanted to give up. But thankfully, I didn't give up. And honestly, Abby would not have let me give up. Uh, it was in those moments of uh, when I was at my lowest, I was uh, at, at, in deep despair, where I had allowed the enemy to kick me down, to push me down, to get in my face, and just about defeat me. But thankfully, I had not given up. I was quickly reminded that God had called me to that moment that God had called me to the ministry and he had called me to study the ministry so that I could eventually pastor his kids. So how could I give up? How could I allow the devil to win? I didn't. And I wasn't about to, so I didn't. But it was in the weakest moments of my life or the weakest moment of that time where Christ showed up in a most powerful way for me. And here's the good news. That moment that you're thinking of, or the moment that maybe you're currently in, he can do the same for you. We've known this most of our lives. If you've been following Christ for a long, long time, or maybe even just a short time, you probably know the song, Jesus Loves Me. I think we all know it. We may not know all the words, but we most likely recognize the tune to some degree or another. But in, those, in that song, the words, uh, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Even in that song, at an early age, we are learning the power and the strength of God. 
And in that song, they're not just talking about little kids. They're talking, I think, they're talking about the followers of God, the followers of Christ. We are little, but he is strong. I remember uh, even with Ezra, all of our kids, we've, we've taught them that song. We sing them that song as they're going to bed. And so it is very well known in our house. This morning as a part of our journey, I want to remind you of a very popular, well-known story from the Old Testament that will help us understand as we uh, battle with these close encounters with defeat this morning. The story of David versus Goliath is the story in Scripture that we're going to be looking at today. And again, it's very well-known, very popular, and it's probably very familiar to you. And you might be thinking that that story of David and Goliath is the story of the weak shepherd boy defeating a mighty warrior. And in some regard, and in most regard, you would be correct. But as we're going to find out this morning that David was incredibly misunderstood. Being a confident competitor, David was probably more than happy to be misunderstood in the end. You can find this morning's narrative in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And for the sake of time this morning, that narrative is 58 verses long. I won't be reading it all to you this morning, but I will quickly paraphrase this heartfelt, hope-filled story for you this morning. The story unfolds with two armies facing off in a duel. And they're at the, the, the top of this uh, mountain, if you will, with a valley in between them that separates them. And there's a stream running through the middle. There's the Israelite army, uh, God's people on one side, and then the Philistine army, the pagan army on the other side. And they faced each other in duel for 40 days, God's word tells us. In each of the 40 days, a giant man, a champion named Goliath from the Philistine army would come out and challenge the Israelite army in battle. A, a beratement of insults and harassment came from Goliath to the Israelite army. And again, if you're at all familiar with the story, you probably know uh, that Goliath was a tall beast of a man. God's word said that he stood over nine feet tall. And actually some historians uh, have, have said that he was closer to 10 feet, maybe like 9'10 or 9'11. Uh, he was one big dude. When I was David's age, around 11 or 12 years old, um, there was a newly drafted NBA basketball player who you're very well familiar with, I'm sure, uh, by the name of Shaquille O'Neal. And this is in the early 90s, so he was uh, new to the NBA, uh, but he was the tallest NBA player at the time, I believe. Uh, but for me, he was the tallest person that I had ever seen before. Now, if you know anything about me, I'm not that big of a sports guy, but even this impressed me as a teenage boy, a young teenage boy. And so growing up in Michigan, my dad and my brother and I, we had gone to a Detroit Pistons game. And uh, it just happened to be that they were playing for the, or playing against the Orlando Magic. And Shaquille O'Neal at the time was playing for the Orlando Magic. 
And now I can't tell you anything about that game. I can't tell you who won. I probably really honestly wasn't that invested in the game. It was cool to be there and a cool experience. But the one thing that I took away from that whole evening was before the game as we're walking around the arena, there was an attraction that you could participate in. And it was where you could size yourself up to many NBA players. And Shaquille O'Neal was one of those people. They had this display of him, uh, and they had a place where you could step into the footprints of these mammoth uh, men, these basketball players. And so I had the experience uh, to step into Shaquille O'Neal's size 22 shoe compared to my, at the time, probably my seven, size seven or seven, eight uh, shoe into his 22 size shoe footprint. It was gigantic, and that made him a gigantic man. I can't even begin to imagine what David had felt in those moments facing Goliath. Now, every morning and every evening during that 40-day battle, twice a day, God's Word says that Goliath would come out and give a verbal challenge and mocking of the Israelite army. Send out one man to fight me, he would say. And whoever loses will become the servant of the victor. I can just imagine his deep, booming voice. And every morning and every evening, when the Israelite army saw this giant man and they heard his booming voice challenge them, they quickly became absolutely petrified and demoralized. They basically were defeated even before they threw their first punch. And so then David comes into the scene. And being the youngest of eight sons of Jesse, David was tasked with staying back on the farm and tending to the sheep. But that day he was sent to the Israel camp, as he would just about every day during the war, to bring his brothers food and to check up to see how the army, the Israelites, were doing. And when he arrived that day, the armies had once again gathered at at their posts, staring at each other across that large valley, with Goliath jeering at them in typical fashion. David was a little bit confused at what he had saw and what he had seen for days. So he began asking questions, just kind of a typical, uh, you know, young teenage boy, like, why don't you guys just go out there and fight him? Like, What's the big deal? I mean, yeah, he's a big dude, but there's a bunch of you, you know? And so he's, in some degree, he probably really wasn't trying to, but he was like kind of making fun of him. (laughs) And so that didn't go over too well. And so David quickly wore out his welcome in the Israelite camp, and his brother, his brothers, sent him back to the farm to tend to the sheep that in, in which he was apparently neglecting by being at the camp. And so David walked away a little upset, but he continued to question their position, probably under his breath, like, I can't believe I don't understand what's going on. Why don't they just do this? You know, just on and on. And Saul had heard about David's presence in the camp that day, and so he sent for him. And so David arrives in front of King Saul, and through conversation, he proclaims this profound statement. He said, Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. 
Now, I can't really imagine how he said it, but I'm sure it was a little more proud than that that I, that I just read to you. But that statement caught Saul off guard. And he quickly responded by saying, you can't do this, you're only a boy. Nobody believed David. David stood alone that day. But he kept pleading. He kept defending God's honor. And he just kept saying, but you don't understand. I've tended to my sheep for years. And whenever a lion or a bear would come into the farm, I would take him out. I would knock him down. I'd take my staff if they went after me, and I'd whack him upside the head. Or I'd grab him by the throat, and I'd kill it in an instant. Lion or bear, it didn't matter. I took him out. And I'll do that again to this Philistine. Just give me the chance, basically. So Saul was probably a little annoyed by this point of David going on and on and on, and Saul just kind of writing him off. David stood there, and Saul, basically washing his hands of David, said, may the Lord be with you. Kind of, go on. Sure, whatever, kid. Just, just get out of here. But attempting to be somewhat supportive, he said, you know, David, you can't go out there just in what you're wearing. Why don't you wear my armor? So Saul helped David attempt to put on his armor. And the reality is Saul's armor weighed more than David did. God's word says that Saul's armor weighed something like 125 pounds. So way more than what David weighed. And so David was, there was no way that he could compete in that armor, and he knew it. And so he quickly took it off and was like, no, forget it. I'm just going to go like this. So David took off, picked up his sling, stopped by that stream on his way to Goliath, and picked up a handful of smooth stones and headed for the battlefield. As David approached Goliath, Goliath began to laugh and mock David for simply being a boy. And I can just imagine his vicious mockery uh, uh, against the Israelite army. Like, what are you doing? You're sending this kid out. You guys must be big, fat chickens. You're sending out this little boy to fight me? You've got to be kidding me. I'm sure it was a little more eloquent than that. But Goliath looks at David and says, it just continues to, to berate him. But David looks at Goliath in that moment and he says, you come against me with sword and spear, boldly declaring, he says. Spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom, have you, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut your head off. All those gathered here, will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, every time I get to this part in the story, I kind of honestly have a hard time envisioning it because of David's size and how little he was compared to almost 10 foot, probably somewhere like 500 pound Goliath, just a massive, massive dude. And so I was trying to envision this, and as I was preparing for today, there was a movie that popped into my head that kind of paired well with this, with this narrative. 
And maybe if the story were made into a major motion action film today, David's interaction with Goliath would sound a little bit like this. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. But if you're looking for money, I can tell you I don't have any. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you leave the Israelites alone, that will be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. (laughs) Now, maybe you recognize that semi-altered quote from the movie Taken with Liam Neeson. It's an intense movie, probably not nearly as intense as the interaction between David and Goliath that day. Anyways, let's get back to the story. (laughs) So David defended the Lord and proceeded to do what he said. He charged. Not a calculated crawl. He charged. A full-on sprint with reckless abandon toward Goliath. Focused, very confident, not missing a stride, not hesitating, sprinting toward his target. David was strategic. If you remember, he fought lions and bears to protect his sheep just about every day. And he made sure to stay far enough away out of Goliath's reach of sword and spear. And in his pursuit, he grabbed a stone from his little satchel. He put it in the sling, and he whipped that sling around over his head, and as that stone picked up speed, and with accuracy and might, he flung that stone from his sling, uh, striking Goliath in his weakest of spots, the only place actually on Goliath's body that was not covered in armor, right between the eyes. That rock sunk into his forehead, killing him instantly on the spot. And after Goliath fell with a categorical thud, I can imagine the sound that it made, almost earth shaking. David then proceeded to pull out Goliath's sword and cut off his head. David was the conquering champion that day, not Goliath. And in that moment, the crowd goes wild, I can imagine. They're in the background singing, we are the champions. Probably not. But nonetheless, the Israelite army rejoiced. And as you can imagine, the Philistine army panicked. Because their champion was dead, and they no longer had a way to win the war. And so the story concludes that day with the Philistine army immediately retreating to their hometown, and the Israelite army immediately pursuing them to their hometown to finish the battle there. David faced and conquered a giant that day. And so this morning, I want you to recall that moment that I asked you to recall earlier this morning. I want you to recall that time, or maybe it's a current time for you, of a Goliath in your life. And remember that nothing is too big for God. 
In fact, Phil Vischer, creator of the VeggieTales, reminds us that God is bigger than the boogeyman. Some of you kids out there, some of you teens or even adults, remember that cartoon well, that God is bigger than the boogeyman. Don't retreat in the face of adversity. In fact, stand firm. Be immovable. When we face giants, we have the choice to, to fight or to flight. And David that day didn't have any flight in him. He was all fight. Defending the truth, defending the Israelites, and defending the honor of the Lord. In the midst of your battles, don't just stand around waiting for things to move or things to happen. Keep moving. Keep hustling. Keep serving the Lord. I said to be immovable, but I didn't mean just to stand still. What I meant is be immovable. Stay busy. Stay serving the Lord in the midst of your struggle. Keep pouring your life into serving Jesus in the midst of your situation. David wanted to serve in Saul's army so bad, but he recognized that he was still a little young and that he had a role to play. He had a job to do, and he was given that role based on his set of skills. And so he served his family. He served the Lord where he was at, just waiting for his number to be called. And boy, did it pay off in the end. So I'm curious this morning, what kind of Goliath is standing in your way? We all have our Goliaths. They all come in all shapes and all sizes. But remember, as we learned this morning, the battle is not ours. David said, the battle is the Lord's. So channel your inner David. Check, uh, channel your inner Liam Neeson if you need to. Look your Goliath in the eye and declare victory this morning. David, yes, he was small in stature compared to Goliath. But if you happen to look at David's shadow, you would see that he was actually huge because God was on his side. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, it reminds us that my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, and in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's, see, it's, it's in those moments where we are weak that we call out to God, and He is able to come and rescue us. Come empower us. Come make us strong. So be sure to know what your role is. David didn't want to tend to the sheep, but he understood that's where he was supposed to be in that moment. You see, God gives us, each of us, certain talents and abilities and callings. He doesn't give us all the same jobs but with different jobs that suit who we are created to be. You are where you are at currently for a reason. Whatever you're going through, it's for a reason. 
It's to make you stronger. It's to build your faith. It's to make him great. Believe in that this morning. Now you might be thinking, oh, pastor, that's easy for you. You're a pastor. Well, here's the reality. He doesn't call, obviously, everybody to be pastors or to preach or to be a missionary. He calls some of us, some of you, to be good with your hands. Some of you are skilled with organizational skills and are good administrators. Some, he gives uh, musical talents or incredible creative abilities. He calls some of us to be athletes, others to be involved in medicine or farming. But the most important thing is to find out how God has created you and the abilities and gifts and skills and talents that he has given you and then serve him with all your heart. I can imagine that if David wasn't, uh, if, if he didn't recognize his role and he decided to go off on his, own, uh, on his own path and do his own thing and not stay honoring to God, that David would have missed a moment, a huge moment. Now, God would have still come through and God would have still saved the Israelite army because that was God's plan. He just would have used somebody else. It pays pays off big to follow God. It pays off huge to serve the Lord where we are. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. In my early 20s, uh, living in Michigan, <clears throat> I worked in a factory on an assembly line. I got paid my hourly wage, but the work was horrible. It was not very rewarding other than my paycheck. Standing in the same spot, doing the same thing over and over, sometimes 300 plus times a day. It was not a fun season for me. And in fact, those Two and a half years for me, it was a Goliath in some sense for me because I didn't know why I was there. But I knew that I was there for a reason. I knew that that was a part of God's plan for my life and it was just a stepping stone for me to get eventually where I am today. Hashtag thankful. <laughs> and while I worked in the factory, not fully understanding my purpose, I found myself deep in different areas of ministry within the church that I attended at the time. I taught Sunday school. I was a youth worker. I uh, helped lead worship in the band. And I'm going to tell you, those days of serving Jesus in those different capacities were some of the richest days of my life. While I was punching the clock in that factory, I kept banging the drum for Jesus. I kept serving him as much as I could recognizing that just those days were just a stepping stone for what he had called me to do. And eventually I received that calling to the ministry and it was a great, great day. I felt liberated, I felt empowered, and I was able to continue further to, to leave that job and to move to Illinois, to attend Olivet and continue his call upon my life to the ministry. Now I recognize that facing your Goliath can be pretty intimidating, regardless of what it is. It's a pretty scary and intimidating experience. 
And unfortunately, our faith doesn't necessarily blind us from the reality of our situation. What it does do, it is it enables us to see beyond our circumstance as we draw on God's power. He will see you through. Stay strong. Trust in him. Trusting in God is a very stabilizing experience. It's amazing how the narrative described David as being calm in that moment. I can't imagine what he went through or the thoughts that went through his head, but it's amazing that I can't find a single description in God's word explaining how afraid or fearful or trembling David was. There wasn't a second thought. There wasn't a, well, let me sit on it for a day. There was none of that. David stayed true to God, and God saw him through. That is the true nature of faith. Hebrews 11 says this, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. David had hope. David had faith, and God came through in a major way. You know, I'm thankful that I can call upon my Heavenly Father to assist me when Goliaths get in my way. My Goliath is going to look different from your Goliath as it looks different from the Goliath from our narrative this morning. But regardless the size, regardless the uh, depth or the uh, amount of the problem, God is always bigger. If you continue to trust in him and continue to serve him till the end, he will be faithful. And I look forward to the day when I can stand before the Lord and hear those ultimate words of reward for my work for Christ. Well done, good and faithful servant. Remember, friends, we have everything we need to win the battle. But we must hold on to what we know is true. We must not flee in the face of adversity. And we must keep serving the Lord where we are. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for today. I thank you for technology that we are able to meet in this capacity in the midst of a Goliath that we're facing as a globe, God. Father, I thank you for the truth of your narrative this morning. That if we are faithful to you, if we stay focused on you, you are true to your word and you are going to see us through. So God, I pray over the, the ears that are listening this morning. I pray that you would open their hearts and begin to speak to their heart and begin speaking to the Goliaths in their lives, God. That whatever they're facing, God, help us, help them, help me to trust in you no matter what and keep banging the drum for Christ. Keep serving the Lord in the midst of our Goliaths, God. Help us to stay true. God, help us to trust in you that you are going to see us through regardless of the size of our problems. God, thank you for 1 Samuel 17, the reminder of your might, the reminder of your power. God, thank you for your love and your care for us today. God, go with us this week as there will probably be Goliaths that we're going to face. God, I pray that you would go before us 
and that may be trusting you, following you, that you will see us through. God, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning and worshiping with us. If today you decided to make a first-time commitment to Jesus, we would love to hear about that. And there will be a link provided for you uh, to just fill out a form, one, just so that we're aware, and two, because we want to walk alongside you and join you on this journey that you've started. Uh, I also want to remind you about our Connect group that will be starting right after this uh, service ends, and the link will be provided in the chat. So until next week, we love you. We're praying for you, and we'll see you next week.